Brothers and sisters, <clears throat> we are a few days away from the beginning of the month of Dhul Hijjah. This month is a month in which Hajj is performed. It is also a month in which ten days have been given a special status by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is from the mercy of Allah that He gives us times, various times in the year, seasons, where good deeds are multiplied. This is from the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, it would be perfectly just and perfectly reasonable to let all days be the same. It is enough that we have to pray five times a day, and these are good deeds and there's benefit in it. It is enough that we have the month of Ramadan to fast in, zakat to be given every year, hajj to be done. Yet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has increased the reward of prayers in the last ten nights of Ramadan. He has put Laylatul Qadr in those nights and increased its reward to a thousand months of prayer. And among the seasons is the ten days at the beginning of Dhul Hijjah. About these ten days, Abdullah ibn Abbas quoted Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi as saying, "There are no days in which righteous deeds done in them are more beloved to Allah than these days. There are no days in which righteous deeds done in them are more beloved to Allah than these days. These ten days." of Dhul Hijjah. When he said that, the companions wanted to know, does he mean it literally? Or is it figuratively? So they asked him, O Messenger of Allah, not even jihad in the path of Allah, not even jihad in the path of Allah, and he said, no, not even jihad in the path of Allah. Except for a man who goes out for jihad and loses both his soul and his wealth. He has put himself forward, he has put his soul on the line, his life on the line, and he has used his wealth to provide the means to go ahead and take part in jihad, and he returns with neither. He dies a martyr. That is the exception. 
because there is nothing greater than that. So, the Prophet ﷺ did mean literally, these are the best ten days. However, it would seem to contradict what we know of the last ten days of Ramadan. So, which are the better? Which ten are the better ten? The ten of Ramadan or the ten of Dhul Hijjah? This is something scholars debated about. But the general conclusion, putting these statements together, is that the ten of Ramadan, their greatest benefit is when? In the nights. It is the nights of those ten. Which has in it Laylatul Qadr. For which there is nothing greater. So, with respect to the nights, the last ten of Ramadan, they are in fact the best. But respect, with respect to the day as a whole, the best are the last, are the first ten of Dhul Hijjah. So, it is incumbent on us to take full benefit from them. Abdullah ibn Umar also narrated that the Prophet ﷺ said, there aren't any days greater, nor any days in which deeds done in them are more beloved to Allah, the Most High, than these ten days of the hijjah So, we should try to maximize the benefit that we can extract from these ten days. It's from the grace of Allah. It is an opportunity to make up for deeds which we have not done properly in the last days, weeks, months. And we can put these days, or these days and the deeds done in these days, according to some list of priority, because of course, we have, there are many possible deeds that we can do. The best possible deed that we can do in the last, in these first ten, is Hajj. Umrah and Hajj, Hajj Tamattu'ah. Naturally. Its reward has paradise as the offering. So it is the greatest possible deed that we can do in these last ten. So those of us that are able to make hajj, we should not put it off for any excuse. As long as we have the means, as long as Allah has made a way for us, then we should go and make hajj. Don't delay it. Of course, due to the formalities of registering, etc., visas, etc., for Hajj, if you decided you wanted to do it now, it wouldn't be possible. 
virtually. If you were in Saudi Arabia, then maybe you could sneak in. But otherwise, that decision had to be made earlier. But if we were negligent, and we didn't make that decision earlier, then at least we ask Allah's forgiveness and make the decision for the year to come. We start to prepare ourselves, make the necessary planning, put aside the necessary money, whatever, and do not let the next Hajj escape us. The second greatest deed that we can do in these 10 days is fasting. That is the second greatest possible deed. Prophet Muhammad when he was asked by Abu Umama, Murni bi amalin yudkhilunil jannah. Command me to do a deed which will put me in paradise. The Prophet ﷺ responded, عَلَيْكَ بِالصَّوْمِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا عِدْلَ لَهُ Fast, because there is nothing equivalent to it. Fast, because there is nothing equal to it. And Abu Umama mentioned that he came back to the Prophet ﷺ another time and asked him the same question. And he said, Fast. You should fast. So that indicates fasting is a great good deed that we can do. And this is something we spoke about before when we spoke about the fast of Ramadan and the benefits, etc. And the fact that fasting is not limited to Ramadan. Prophet Muhammad gave us the six days after uh, Ramadan in Shawwal, he fasted three days of every month, the uh, days of the full moon. He fasted every Monday and Thursday. And at different points and different days in the year, he also fasted. And among those days is the day of Arafah. With regard to the day of Arafah, the Prophet ﷺ had said that one who fasts on that day gets the reward of having his sins of the previous year and the following year removed. That is Arafah. Fasting on the day of Arafah. Sins of the previous year and the coming year erased. So that whole period, all nine of the ten days, because the tenth day is Eid, and we're not allowed to fast on Eid. So the first nine days, which include Arafah, ending on Arafah, the day of Arafah, we should fast. The third major good deed that we should perform, we should do regularly during these ten days, is the remembrance of Allah. Which is the goal of all the various acts of worship anyway. But we should make a special effort to remember Allah by making takbir, 
saying Allahu Akbar. As Prophet Muhammad had said, regarding these ten days, he said, increase tahleel, takbir, and tahmeed in those days. Tahleel being la ilaha illallah, tahmeed being alhamdulillah. So saying, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, saying that as many times as we can in those ten days. And we should, of course, when saying them, remember their meaning, that we don't do it as a blind ritual, just saying Allahu Akbar, but really reflecting on what Allahu Akbar means. So that when we say Allahu Akbar, it is actually a reminder for us. We're remembering Allah and remembering Allah's status with regards to ourselves. And remembering Allah's status with regards to all of the things that we tend to make akbar, greater in our lives. This is reducing them to their proper level. Allahu Akbar. And it was the practice amongst the uh, students of the Sahaba, the scholars among them, in these ten days to say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Wallahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Walillahi alhamd. It was their practice to say this. Uh, it is good to say it. It is the way of the early generation. But one may say Allahu Akbar in any of the other uh, combinations that we wish. Same thing with La ilaha illallah, there are other uh, du'as which Prophet ﷺ gave us which had la ilaha illa in them as well as alhamdulillah we can use any of them and it was their practice the early generations to raise their voices when saying it in these last ten days these first ten days they would do it in the marketplaces they would do it in their houses they would do it in the streets and in the masjids Today we only do it in the masjids. After the prayers, we do it yeah, specifically. Uh, and usually we end up doing it in congregation, which wasn't the practice of the early generation. Everybody sitting in the masjid after the salah, after the five daily, daily prayers, and repeating uh, this Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, and saying it together in unison, like a chorus, this was not the way of the early generation to do. People did it individually. Because what happens when people do it together as a group, you tend to get caught up in the sing-song aspect of it. And the meaning and what we're actually saying it for gets lost. So it defeats the very purpose. So it is better for one to say it oneself. If one doesn't know what to say, then to repeat it after somebody else is okay. But just to take that as the norm, we wait until after the prayer, the imam starts and everybody starts along with him. We do it three times and then we get up and walk away. This was not the way of the early generation. So we should strive 
to repeat the tahbir, tahmid and tahleel as much as we can during this period. The fourth important deed to do in this in these first ten days is repentance, tawbah. Tawbah about which Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu had said, all of Adam's descendants constantly make mistakes. And the best of them, best of those who constantly make mistakes, are those who turn back to him constantly in repentance. So, these, these times become special times for repentance, for reflection, looking at our various sins, and seeking Allah's forgiveness for them. Sincerely reflecting on what we have done, not just saying astaghfirullah, 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 but really thinking about what we have done, so that when we say astaghfirullah, that is, oh Allah forgive me, we really mean it. Because we're talking about something that is real. And not a general, just forgive me. No, we are specific about what we are seeking forgiveness for. Because if the forgiveness, the seeking of forgiveness, doesn't have sincerity behind it, then it is useless. It is just wasting our time, wasting our energies, producing no result. The fifth major righteous deed that we should strike, strive to do in these first ten is our voluntary acts of worship, the best of which in terms of salah is tahajjud after the compulsory prayers. Prophet Muhammad had said the best prayer after the obligatory prayers is tahajjud. He has designated it. The prayer before the morning prayer. Before Fajr comes in. in the last third of the night. Getting up at that time and praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This requires effort on our part. We have to struggle with it. Because everything in ourselves, in our environment encourages us to stay asleep. So we have to struggle. We have to strive to be able to do so. So at least in these ten nights, we strive to get up, get our families up, and make tahajjud. Also, other voluntary acts like charity, reading the Qur'an, and in general, commanding the good and prohibiting the evil wherever we see it. These are all deeds that we should strive to do. Because these deeds, which are other times outside of these ten, may be considered less than other greater deeds, in these last ten, they become superior to greater deeds done outside of the ten. Because that's what the Prophet ﷺ said. 
with regards to it being the best day days for deeds. Even greater than jihad. So he's saying jihad is great deed, superior deed. Outside of these days is superior. But in these days, it is inferior. So we shouldn't allow this opportunity which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us to run away from us. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to benefit from these times, this special time, by fasting, remembering Him, by seeking repentance, and by doing as many good deeds as we can. I ask Allah to help us to establish these practices, not only for these first ten, but whenever this time comes around in the year, that we are devotedly engaged in these kinds of deeds. أَقُولُ كَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهُ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَرِسَالِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ كُلِّ دَمْ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Ask Allah to forgive yourselves and myself for all of our sins and to turn to Him in repentance because only He can forgive our sins. Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu wa rasulillah. In the last ten days, it is also recommended for us, those of us that are not going to make hajj, to slaughter an animal on the tenth. Or if we're unable, on the eleventh, the twelfth, or the thirteenth. But this slaughter on the tenth is highly recommended by the Prophet wasallam, and it was his own practice to do so. Allah is destined that we're not able to make hajj. So those of us that are here can get something of that reward by making the sacrifice of an animal. In commemoration of the act of Prophet Abraham, the willingness of Prophet Abraham to sacrifice what was most prized to him in this life, his son. When we sacrifice that animal, we shouldn't do it as a Ritual kurbani, you know, it is just something automatically you do it. You have a name for it and everybody does it. No. It is something that we should do knowing its meaning, understanding why we're doing it. Knowing that it is an expression of our willingness to sacrifice this world and the things of this world for the sake of Allah. Do it with that spirit and the reward is ours. And for those who plan to make the slaughter, then for those days up until the, the day of the slaughter, we should not cut our hair or trim our nails. Like a person in ihram, those on hajj are not allowed in that state of ihram to do these things, we also voluntarily give them up. This is the recommendation of the Prophet ﷺ. Of course, in the case of a person in ihram, if he does these things deliberately, then he damages the value of his ihram. He has to make some form of sacrifice as atonement for having broken or 
lessened his state of ihram. Whereas those of us at home were not fasting, I'm sorry, not uh, making hajj, then if we did so, this is not on us. Because not shaving, not clipping the nails, this is something highly recommended, but not obligatory. If we did so, there is no sin. We just lose, we lose out on the reward of having abstained. And the reward for having abstained is that of obeying the commands of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To obey what he has recommended for us to do. The reward that is in it greatly manifests. Because think about it. Throughout the rest of the year, we cut our hair, we trim our fingernails. And there's no special reward for it. Except the basic reward of doing so because the Prophet ﷺ said to do so. But in these 10 days, clipping our fingernails, and not clipping our fingernails, and not uh, trimming our hair, we get reward for it. It's the opposite. Most of the rest of the year, we don't trim and clip. We get rewarded for trimming and clipping. This was the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ said it is a part of the fitrah, that we trim our fingernails, we clip our hair. And the sahaba didn't used to let more than 40 days go without doing that. That was like the maximum. Better every Jummah. As we prepare ourselves for Jummah, we clip our fingernails, or every other Jummah, clip our fingernails, trim our hair, etc. We get rewarded for that. But in these 10 days, we're rewarded for not doing it, which is what we're doing most of the year. So, alhamdulillah, we're rewarded for not trimming our hair and not clipping our fingernails. Why? Because Prophet Muhammad has recommended that we don't do so to share in something of the reward of those making hajj in a state of ihram. So we voluntarily enter into a state of ihram where we have made it not permissible for ourselves to trim our hair and to clip our fingernails. Also, in these ten, we have Salatul Eid on the tenth. Salatul Eid is something that we should not take lightly. lightly. People commonly... Uh, if they get up, they go there. If they make it on time, they think they can make it up afterwards. And There's no great effort. Go to sleep after Fajr. No. When we come back from Salat al-Fajr, then we should be just preparing to go out for Eid. Because the Eid is not that long after Salat al-Fajr. Furthermore, some people oversleep Salat al-Fajr and their focus is on the Eid. This is another error. So they make sure they get out for Eid, but they miss Salat al-Fajr. Salat al-Fajr, this is obligatory. On the highest level of obligatory. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ had said that the Salat al-Fajr is the distinction between the believers and the hypocrites. 
that missing Salat al-Fajr is one of the signs of hypocrisy. So, we don't want to take Salat al-Fajr lightly, nor do we want to take Salat al-Eid lightly. Salat al-Eid is important, so much so that Prophet Muhammad said that our women who don't, who are, who are in a state of menses, who are not praying normally because of the state of menses, he said, bring them out anyway. Let them witness and share in the gathering. Unfortunately, in some of our countries, some of our communities, we don't even let women who are not in a state of menses make Eid. Unfortunately, today, we can find Muslim communities where it's only men who go out and make Eid. Whereas Prophet Muhammad had commanded even the women who didn't have proper you know, hijab to cover themselves, that they share it with other women and go and make the Eid. And normally we would never t- tell a woman who is not in her uh, state of purity to go to the masjid, to go for to attend the prayer. Not to pray, but even to attend, sit in the masjid. No. But Prophet Muhammad said for Eid that we should command our women to go out for the Eid. So it is a whole family affair. We bring everybody out. And we should... Though that day is one of thanksgiving, so this is a general spirit of the tenth, one of giving thanks to Allah. We should know that giving thanks to Allah has proper etiquette. That we don't go overboard where we turn the day into a day of frivolity, where we're just in wild happiness running around, you know, going to all of the uh, parks and just, you know, no, we should be remembering Allah. Thankfulness involves remembering Allah as we give thanks. Not to say we cannot enjoy, but we don't enjoy to the point where we forget Allah. Where our celebration becomes one of pride and vanity. Showing off our wealth, showing off our status, these kinds of things. Where we have included in it Singing and dancing, you know, things which are forbidden. Of course, there is some a level of singing which is permissible, which is that which is not accompanied by musical instruments. But what we're talking about is what is popular in those days where people are, you know, celebrating with the forbidden instruments and the forbidden music. So, let us remember the 10th, the Eid. Let us remember it for what it is, a day of giving thanks to Allah. Giving thanks to Allah in a way which should be a reflection of our faith. Giving thanks which is not limited only to that day, but strongly expressed on that day. It is the beginning of our faith. As Allah taught us in Surah Al-Fatiha, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. This is the beginning. He taught it in Surah Al-Fatiha, and it should be 
primary practice in our lives. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us in these ten that are coming. And especially on the day of Eid to make it a day which is pleasing to Him. To engage our family in giving thanks to Allah and in worshipping Him as He deserves to be worshipped. And to remember Him throughout these ten with Allahu Akbar, Alhamdulillah, and La ilaha illallah in all of its varieties. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put in our hearts the example of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we try to emulate his way in these ten days to come. And from those ten days, implement whatever we have gained in the rest of our year. Barakallahu feekum. The world's first tuition-free degree, BA in Islamic Studies. Access to the knowledge, any place, anytime, anywhere. It just doesn't get any easier than that. Classes, texts, assignments, completely online. Set your own schedule for the semester. No overseas travel required for the exams. Subjects taught by qualified English-speaking scholars. Weekly live sessions in virtual classrooms. With curricula based on those in El Medina University in Saudi Arabia. El Azhar University in Cairo. And other reputable institutions around the world. Why wait any longer? You pay just a symbolic registration fee and are ready to begin the adventure of higher education. The most diverse student body of any university in the world. 130,000 plus registered students from 217 countries. Log in to the website for more details. www.islamiconlineuniversity.com